Welcome, GS, to the PCV podcast. Thanks for hopping on Skype and fighting these connection issues to get on the line with me. Anything to serve the cause. <laughs> well, if the cause is us all getting to know each other better, then I think uh, we, we picked the right one. Agreed. Why don't we uh, just jump right in? The first question I've got for you is, uh, what would you say is the gist of your life story thus far? You know, uh, born and raised in Michigan, uh, went to Michigan, dabbled in uh, uh, some things regarding uh, community service, activism, um, business, technology, finance, and uh, continuing to to learn and develop and grow and uh, become a more mindful, aware, and proactive person while uh, serving others in the Peace Corps. That's great. I saw here in the, the information you sent me that you had worked on Wall Street and then for Uber for a while. I don't know how common that is yeah. amongst Peace Corps volunteers as a background, but can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? Yeah, sure. So um, I worked in uh, the investment banking division of Citigroup on financial transactions that involved brokering um, uh, capital between institutional investors that are willing to invest capital to institutional clients that need capital, right? So. Um, help, you know, fancy speak for uh, helping to secure loans from people willing to put up the money for the loans and then uh, package solutions for how those loans are paid out and then and how those loans are returned. Mm. Um, and then the taxes and the legal environment around those loans and making sure that they're in the best interest of the clients as well as the communities receiving the money as well as the investors who are contributing the money to the clients. And then working for Uber Technologies um, actively involved helping to um, develop sales teams and operations, uh, operational procedures and operational systems to uh, build out their delivery business instead of moving people more so focused on moving food and uh, doing that throughout the United States. Wow. So I was really fortunate and humbled to be able to work with some really, really great people who, um, looking back, I don't understand were able to take a chance on me and allowed me to gain some really amazing experience where as a team we were able to accomplish some really, really amazing things and projects that uh, stick with me today. So tell me about your decision to then uh, move to Peace Corps from, from there. What was behind that and what, what led you to decide to join up? I, Peace Corps is something I always knew about growing up and I knew Peace Corps volunteers and I remember when I was, what, it was maybe 16, 17 years old, a uh, RPCV from Mozambique into my high school classroom and showed photos and talked about his experience and really got into some of the gruesome details of the low points of his experiences and, you know, ended with the positive points of his experiences. And um, I uh, was able to really, really become infatuated with the idea of being in another part of the world in such a non-traditional capacity, right? Which is rare, right? Mm -hmm. um, living in a place for two years with the want and the demand and the sponsorship of the government, the city, the state, the region, the entity, the village you're working in, the leaders of those respective uh, geographical divisions and institutions supporting and agreeably, you know, wanting you to be there with specific tasks around a theme of development strategy, you know, that involves really one-on-one -on -one unapologetic human development. And uh, 
I looked at the experiences I had in my life, right, and I could have followed a very certain track. I could look back 40 years and say, man, I really wish I did the Peace Corps. And I didn't want to have that conversation with myself 40 years from now. Mm. Um, on top of the fact that I've been really blessed and privileged to travel and work and do research and experience many different regions of the world. And given the geopolitical climate of the United States, I really wanted to focus on uh, the African continent and the uh, Middle Eastern subcontinent, which for me was an amazing, amazing region that I had little to no exposure to. Even though it's one with certain themes, motifs, misunderstandings and mischaracterizations that definitely impacted a lot of my life and something that took me far too long to learn about. Coupled that with my, my faith and um, uh, something that's asked of six, real codified you know, rules on how to do this, right? Um, but you're told, uh, which means to um, keep in mind your purpose in life and your, your relationship with the Almighty and do honest, hard work that contributes to yourself, your family, and society, and uh, giving a tenth of your life in resource, in time, and love to others, right, to better society. So I kind of did the math and said, you know, I'm like 20, 21, 22, 10% roughly two years, three months. Hmm. Um, so I, you know, I joke and say I can check that off the list as well. <laughs> wow. And, uh, uh, you know, I went to my senior year. It went very smoothly, surprisingly very quickly. Applied in October, interviewed in November, was told I'm going to hear back in March, got the offer in December, panicked second week of December. Uh, <laughs> Um, sent the email out saying what the hell you told me March they said you know what we're going to be nice and give you five days to talk about it with your family um, I said oh great my parents had no idea I applied to Peace Corps at the time um, and so my plan was that I was just going to like dip out like I was going to graduate say hey mom you know I was I was like doing finance but I actually just applied to the Peace Corps I'm going to leave in like two days I'll catch you later thanks for helping wow. me get my degree yeah that was that was kind of the plan and uh, it definitely didn't work out like that. Um, so once I, I accepted without even really talking to my parents, to be honest, I uh, had subtle conversations which led to unsubtle conversations which led to very serious conversations which led to a lot of you know interesting and very unorthodox debate and creative discussion on uh, my path. And you know I was resolved in my choice and stuck to it. And mm -hmm. Here I am, hopping around the Benny Snassen and enjoying, uh, <laughs> enjoying all that McGreep has to offer one day at a time. Gosh, that's great. Well, changing gears a little bit, the, the next question that I had was, uh, what is the, the one piece of media that you most often have gifted to other people? Giving people, book, giving people you know, uh, books mm -hmm. or any type of media that involves alternative narratives of history and politics and war and, and culture. Mm. Uh, um, one thing that I, I, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, looking into in terms of media and uh, speeches like public debate and YouTube videos on that mm -hmm. is uh, an Indian uh, politician and leader of state, Sashi uh, Tharoor, and uh, he talks about the realities of colonialism and the economic and political implications, and he actually quantifies them really well. And it, it really is a slap in the face to every history textbook and geography textbook I've ever read 
that mm. involved India really, really blew my mind in terms of the depth and breadth at which colonialism uh, has impacted people. And he provides narratives that people rarely ever think about. Other media I've looked into recently involves um, conversations actually by uh, your buddy, Matt, Sam Altman. Hey, about, yeah. and, uh, a, a VC founder and an incredibly successful venture capitalist who led the growth team to get a billion users on Facebook, Palihapitiya, uh, and uh, talking about, you know, this like race to create and be an entrepreneur and like make a lot of money and like have a business that's popular and in the news, you know, and like how that can be destructive in terms of not getting people to work on important problems, right? You know, and they're, it, it, it grant you, right? Really fast growing companies sometimes solve really important, important problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the rest of them where they, they don't solve important problems, you know? I, I really just don't think they solve important problems, in my opinion, in the opinion of many uh, thought leaders in, in the realm of entrepreneurship and uh, growing fast-paced companies that are able to scale and expand very, very quickly um, and in huge quantities. And how do you, like, take the incentive system we have now and turn that into, you know, what like what a slow entrepreneur, right? Like, people want to, you know, make a multi-billion dollar business in five years, right? Well, how do we convince them to make $100 million businesses or $10 million businesses over 15 years, right? Obviously, economic incentives play into that, right? But, you know, also recognize that, like, as a society, some of those solutions take 15 years to make. And how do you set up incentives to let people take 15 years to make those solutions to problems, right? Something that I don't think a lot of people realize is that innovation is incredibly important. Fast innovation is great. Slow innovation lasts us a lifetime, right? Take the automobile, for example, right? And the amount of value it's provided in our lives. The automobile is still not in its most perfect form. So what does that mean, right? Like, take a pencil, right? The guy who invented a pencil, once he did it, it's like done. You can never make like a more perfect pencil, right? But if you take, if you take like a vehicle, right? There's still consistent innovation to vehicles, you know? It's not like toilet paper. It's not like a pencil. It's not like a pen. It's not like... A, a, a you know a lock and a key right where it's kind of hit the peak of its performance right you know and the vehicle mm-hmm. the, the modern automobile right we're going into the autonomous vehicle state where cars will drive themselves right that's a hundred years of innovation leading to the invention of like a continuous improving product right how do we gear people to make those things that will become amazing staples of our lives or the next cancer solution or the next solution to racial bias and hiring or organizational selection behavior or uh, removing uh, the corrupt political elements of governance, right? And, you know, those aren't solutions that are going to take five years, right? You know, nobody's just going to make an app for that in five weeks or (laughs) five months and then, you know, post it on uh, his Facebook and then spam people about it and then all of a sudden it's going to solve these very pressing issues, right? Yeah. And how do you gear people's brains towards working on those bigger problems right that's interesting to me and these are narratives we don't really get right so whether Mm -hmm. it's talking about the actually being able to quantify how just on an absolute basis colonialism is worse than it could have provided any value in terms of just quantifiable fact reason and political and economic and social and cultural effects as well as looking at you know the real like the real solutions right that physically impact us in a positive way and can bring about betterment to our society on 
average are solutions that you know are fast-paced crazy startups but can be slow moving slow paced highly deliberate and thoughtful uh, entrepreneurial products so those are just some of the things i give people mostly because i find them interesting and i have to share them to talk about them with somebody otherwise i'll, I'll go crazy with it in my mind <laughs> well those are some good recommendations to give out i i think those are good ones well next question is what are three words that your fellow PCVs would use to describe you? Um, loud. <laughs> okay. Um, eclectic. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to be honest with the last one. Probably aggressive or assertive. It's probably the last one. Okay. I could see that being, you know, what you sent me as sociable. That's also, I think, a maybe a... A little nicer, gentler way to say that, but... Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Loud, eclectic, and uh, assertive. All right. Well, those those are good. Um, kind of along that same vein, uh, who do you look up to in Peace Corps and, and why? Oh, my gosh. Um, I look up to... I, I probably look up to the most. I probably look up to uh, Jerome... Mm. Jerome Robinson and then Collins Waronga the most. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Jerome, uh, Jerome, uh, Collins Waronga, and I look up to uh, Joshua Griffin. Yeah, those would be probably the top three. Can you tell me a little bit about each of them and kind of why you feel yeah, that way about um, it? Jerome's, you know, uh, first of all, back in the States, he's an incredibly successful man. Second, he's he's found a method to really, at least in my conversations with him, help me recognize guidance that I needed and understood but couldn't tangibilize or actualize into words in terms of like a concrete uh, directive or concrete understanding that I need to be mindful of. Mm. Um, I think that as a man of color, he's been able to give me incredibly important lessons that you know, it's almost as if he's going through his own book of life, right? And picking out a page and showing me. And um, it's been incredibly helpful. And I remember there was a moment during IST um, where we discussed diversity and uh, adversity in face of, you know, the difficulties around diversity and, uh, you know, highly uh, stratified or, if you will, um, differentiated social groups within large groups mm -hmm. and you know being a minority within Morocco or being a minority in a government agency and you know the, we had a big group conversation and Jerome shared a lot of things that you know gave me gave me resolve and it gave me a different way to look at the world and you know he showed a lot of vulnerability in his examples and how he overcome you know kind of being in the same situation maybe that I was in and I have a deep tremendous respect for that mm -hmm. Collins um, Collins is an incredibly self-made man He's, he's, he's one of the calmest people I've ever met. Um, his ability to separate like what, what's unnecessary from what's necessary and focus on it is incredibly, incredibly envious. I'm incredibly envious of that. I remember, you know, we, we tried in CBT going on like morning jogs. At the end of the jog, mind you, we were still going through digestive and stomach issues, so it was the worst <laughs> jog I've ever had in my entire yeah. life. Top 10 worst choices I've ever made. Uh, speaking in terms of like my lungs lower internally, you know, we had a conversation about like motivations of doing Peace Corps and he had one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard in my entire life of perseverance and why he believes in 
what America is. And I am constantly mindful of that. And yeah, and so for, for those reasons, I really look up to uh, Jerome and Collins and I really appreciate being able to watch them and hear them and learn from them and learn from my mistakes through their analysis of those mistakes and become a better man. And Josh, uh, Josh is like my best friend, one of my best friends at Peace Corps. And he's, he's what, six, seven years older than me. He is an old man. He's like 29. 28 something hey you're like talking to a 30 year old uh, here so watch out i know uh. <laughs> um age is but a number right obama left as the youngest president now we have the oldest president in our country people are never too late or too early they're absolutely right on time and where they should be in life um but uh josh he's uh he's just resilient and he's emotionally intelligent and he's um He's able to give me more knowledge on the Pacific Northwest than I can ever possibly imagine. <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a teacher. He's, he's a teacher. He's a therapist. He's, uh, he's a life coach. He's a um, diplomat. He's a liaison. He's, a, uh, he's an aggregator of people and their motivations and... I definitely, in some of my hardest moments in Peace Corps, definitely have, you know, been in a situation where I say, Josh, what do I do, man? Um, and Josh has always come through with just the most concrete or explicit advice. Um, and the, the three men I just mentioned, they, they truly don't care what other people think. Hmm. Um, they truly, they, they're just so confident and strong in what they are, they can do whatever they want. I'm just really impressed with that. In a world where our... Um, we can be so defined, you know, I, I constantly, constantly ask myself, is there a me that is not defined by others, right? Yeah. And in those three people, I definitely see them to be able to be themselves, not defined by others. And uh, it's really something I respect and look up to. Ah, I like that a lot. Those are some great guys uh, moving along. Uh, next question I have for you is, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? I don't know. I think um, I think sometimes I can come off really standoffish, uh, and you know, physiologically, I'm, I don't have scream like any warbucks come say hi. Sometimes, so I don't know. I, I've uh, I've had the misfortune of uh, dealing with some pretty uh, difficult uh, circumstances out of myself and my family's control with my family back home, hmm. and uh, I'm you know. very fortunate that i have great friends that are supportive and care for me right but mm -hmm. to be candid they're few right um and people have lives and they have their own problems and they're busy and i don't know i i, I wish people visited more often or people would uh, be more comfortable approaching me or asking me to hang out or you know maybe assuming that due to my very very and i recognize highly highly disproportionate distorted view of reality versus my my peers and lack of social awareness. Uh, I see things or I act in a way that, you know, maybe people don't see as positive and though I intend it to be, uh, can be seen otherwise. And, and, you know, I wish people asked for clarity. It would take it in the best stride, stride right? Or say like, okay, maybe he meant the best in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, if people ask more often if they could call me up to chat, tell me about their day. Um, something I try to do. And, you know, someone asks if they want to come visit or someone asks, hey, what are you thinking? Or I don't know. I don't even know how I'd classify that. That was more of a scatter of thoughts. 
No, it's, and, a, it's uh, a good, it's a good question. It's a fair. It point maybe to speaks raise. to a lot of fragility. I don't know. I, I hear where you're coming from. I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned, that we have all sort of settled into these subgroups within our our greater Peace Corps experience, and uh, there's nothing wrong with asking folks to make a little effort to break out of that and to reach out to folks and to say on this podcast that you know you would love to be one of those people that folks reach out to i think is actually not a fragile thing but a a a brave thing so i think it's good it's great thank you all right well winding down a little bit i got one more question for you and that is who else do you think i should interview and when they're on what would you like me to ask them I first okay, Josh and Collins. Um, that's a that's a no brainer. Josh mm-hmm. Collins, Collins. I would like you to ask him what is the book that has motivated him the most, mm. and I would like you to ask yeah. him how has his adolescence defined his choices as an adult, um, because I think he has a fascinating story that people, you know, it's a it, it'd be a sin not to, for people to hear it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Josh. I want you to ask Josh and put him on the spot. Uh, I want you to ask him how many times he saved somebody, like in Peace Corps. Like how many times he just like, you know, somebody calls him up and just like Josh just handles it or takes care of the situation or Hmm. just his immediate support to walk them through what they need to do. Or, you know, how many times times Josh has walked someone off the ledge from, you know, ETing or close of service. I think of Josh as like a hostage negotiator or like the guy that you call when somebody's like on the ledge about to jump. And then Josh, like 10 out of 10, always gets them off the ledge, gives them a hug, and they go get ice cream in like three hours. Wow. Yeah. It's probably the best. It's probably the best way to describe it. Okay. Just from, and not even like my interactions with Josh, but about what I've heard from other people in speaking to Josh, right? Like the reason, you know, Collins and Josh, because I mentioned role models, people I look up to, but Collins for his own personal stories uh, uh, that I've yielded and I think have incredible value to the rest of the stage, but Josh for what I've heard from so many other people, and don't let him be humble about it. Don't let him be humble about it. <laughs> okay. He will. He will. Absolutely will. Okay. I, I will definitely do it. Thanks for coming on, GS, and for talking with us and sharing so much about your story and about you know things that are interesting to you and what you're up to in Peace Corps and, and how you want to kind of connect with folks more. I, I'm glad that you're able to fight through all the Skype issues with me to, to be on here. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Always, man. Always. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, having a, a place to, uh, you know, be heard. It's nice. Well, thank you. And, uh, That's it for today's podcast, so signing off. See you later. Take care.